You're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. We're hanging out here today because one day while hiking in Peru, after just having been let go from my dream job, it hit me. There's so much more to life and there's no excuse for not embracing uncertainty and trying new things to really explore our full potential in this lifetime. On this weekly podcast, you'll hear from successful entrepreneurs, creative thinkers, and visionaries just like you so that you feel less alone as you pursue everything you want and deserve in this lifetime. This is a space where big sky thinking is welcomed and conversations about daily betterment are essential. So if you're ready to stop living an ordinary life and start living a visionary life, then welcome home. Well, 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 we are back with another episode and it is with Cheryl Torrance, aka Chef Inked, aka Uncle Chuck. Cheryl is back on the podcast for her second appearance, this time to talk about her newest venture. You might remember Cheryl from episode three. Yeah. Episode three, that was the early, early days of the Visionary Life podcast. She was actually one of the first guests almost four years ago, and I vividly remember taking the TTC to the spin studio that she worked at called Torque, and we sat in the windowsill, we recorded with my single $90 microphone that Dave had purchased years earlier to record guitar And I was just like, well, this is all I have, and I'm going to go record some episodes of this podcast that I'm going to call Visionary Life. And it was so organic back in the day. I miss recording in person. I miss running around Toronto, coming into people's apartments and workplaces and their homes and their co-working spaces and offices and sitting down and having conversations face to face. So, you know, obviously not doing that anymore, especially because I've uh, left Toronto. It would help if I could talk today. It's Friday at the time of this recording. Um, But let's just say so much has changed since that recording with Cheryl, both for her and for the podcast. So today we are sitting down and I get to hang out with Cheryl virtually to learn all about this new project, Uncle Chuck's BBQ Sauces. So Uncle Chuck's is not her first business venture, but I can tell this one is different. And I'm so excited for Cheryl. She has an incredible community, an incredible presence, and an incredible passion for chefing and creating food and community and delivering a remarkable product. So in this episode, we're going to talk about where the idea for Uncle Chuck's came from, how she is now selling them in five stores, and what the future is going to look like for the business. So as per usual, Cheryl holds nothing back. She is so honest, so real, and I really admire that about Cheryl. And I think you're really going to dig this episode. So definitely go support Uncle Chucks. You can find them on Instagram, uncle underscore Chucks. You can also find Cheryl and her dancing adventures. She is the dancing chef after all 
on her personal Instagram, chef underscore inked. And you're going to hear about the last time I saw Cheryl in person, which was just before COVID. We were at a really busy bar in the East End of Toronto, watching her win $10,000. You'll hear all about it. Um, And that was the last time we actually saw each other in person. So hopefully again soon. But in the meantime, I hope you love this episode with Uncle Chucks. Cheryl, welcome back to the Visionary Life podcast. I was just saying to you off air that you were actually the third episode of the show. Uh, I think it was about four years ago, which is crazy. And at the time of this recording, it is our 203rd episode. So uh, it kind of is nostalgic to be back here with you. And I know you have so many new things to share with us. So welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Kelsey. Well, last time I saw you, I believe it was at a bar in the East End of Toronto when we watched you win Wall of Chefs. Was that That's two years right. ago, pre-pandemic, yes, it, I think? Yeah, well, exactly. It was, um, I think it was two weeks before we shut down, or maybe, <laughs> maybe three, but it was pretty soon before the pandemic, yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, I feel like that was one of the, like, the last... Uh, busy bar experiences that I was part of. So (laughs) many fond memories. So how was your experience being on Wall of Chefs? Like, what do you take from it? Uh, The Wall of Chefs was an amazing experience going into it and doing the application process. uh, You know, you do the applications. It's not the first TV show that I've tried to apply for. You never know if you're going to get it. And I didn't really hear from them. And I didn't they didn't really explain the concept of the show to you either. Um, I just had a friend who suggested that I apply for it. Um, And I didn't know that they would accept me anyway, because I had had 20 years in the food industry. And although I had left it, um, the food industry, I wasn't sure if they would consider me a home cook. Yeah. Um, But they did. And um, I applied, I think in May, And then I got word in July, the beginning of July, that my application had gone through. And then I had to do some other things for them. And then it was like a couple months to wait. And then I got the call that I made the cut. And I got that call the last week of August. And then by mid-September, we filmed it. Um, And they had rented the Glenn Gould studio in the CBC and it was an early start time it was 6 a.m and basically what you did was you did a crowd pleasing dish and it was something that you made for families and friends that they liked and so mine was um uh, a duck breast on an arugula salad and because it was in august when i did it it was with peaches and hazelnuts and so that was my first dish coming out and It wasn't the favorite dish. They picked somebody else, but I still advanced to the next round. And so somebody got voted off. And then uh, I made a Mediterranean chicken dish. I won that round. I went to the last round because they voted somebody else off. And then it was me and this guy, Joe. And we had to do a pizza, but we had to put our heritage on the pizza. And it was a little bit difficult. I had no idea where I was going to go. And the other thing I have to, I always admit, I'm not a baker. And even though pizza dough is like 
chefs would use it. I, I don't make my own pizza dough. My wife makes the pizza dough. That's her thing. It's really good. I would never mess with it. And so we actually had to go to the pantry to make, get all of our ingredients. And I didn't know what the uh, ratio of flour to yeast. And I was worried I wouldn't, in 45 minutes, I wouldn't have time to actually make it. Like when you make a proper dough, it should sit, it should grow. Then you punch it down, you put it in the fridge, take it out a couple hours before you use it. Like you need all of the gluten and everything to right come together. And I saw that they had pre-made pizza dough. <laughs> and so I grabbed it and I used it. And then I had to put my heritage on the pizza, which my heritage is Scottish and Belgian. So you think all of the high fats, that's my heritage, okay? But I was like, what am I gonna put on this pizza? So as I'm as I'm gathering the stuff in the pantry, I think what what is more Canadiana than immigrants, right? We all come to this country, you go to any pizza shop and they have the Canadiana pizza. So I went to town, I loaded up the pizza with all the good stuff. Uh, I did gorgonzola, I did roasted garlic, I did uh, speck, which is like um, an Eastern European, it's almost like prosciutto, right? Like I just tried to offer what I could up on the pizza yeah. and uh, I, I won. I won ten dollars. <laughs> no big deal. And, you won. You won ten but grand. I mean, but the <laughs> thing was, they didn't tell us what the concept was. So we came in. We had to shut our eyes. They counted us down, and when they counted us down, we were allowed to open our eyes. And on the wall, which is why they call it the Wall of Chefs, are twelve of Canada's top chefs. I mean, big names, big names, and. There's a picture of me and people go, you look so good and confident. I'm like, oh, it really is a lie because I am pooping my pants because I'm going to have to cook for these chefs. And I, I'm a great chef, but there's people who can out chef me all the time. No problem. I'm cool with that, but I don't want to give these chefs a crappy plate of food. So um, it was very nerve wracking. And my, like I said, my day started at six and I left there at 9.30. We stopped cooking in the kitchen at 8.30, and I won, but then they had to pull me back, and then they interviewed me about my experience. So by the time I got home, it was about 10 o'clock. Wow, what a day, and, what an experience. And, and then you weren't allowed to tell anybody. Could you tell your wife? I told my wife. <laughs> okay, good. And she knew because she knew I hadn't left the CBC building because she has a tracking device on my phone. <laughs> so she was like, well, she didn't come home by lunch. Yeah. She's still there. It's five o'clock. She's still there. It's nine o'clock. Yeah. And then I text her to say, okay, I'm coming home. And I said, I, I won. And um, we had a big celebration when I walked through the door. Hmm. And then I had to sit on it for about four, five months. Yeah. And then we had the party at Prohibition that you came to. So and fun. The- big celebration. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. It was, yeah, it was awesome. a really, really exciting evening. And then like, I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. I thought like you were just bringing us together to watch it. And even if you weren't the winner, like we still would have been there and then go figure. It was such a celebration. <laughs> and we actually yeah, got yeah. to try the food too. Yeah, um, so the bar Michael served the food. Michael Summerfield from Prohibition, what he did was he took um, my menu of the three items and then he we made appetizers out of it. 
And he did that in celebration for me. And he also gave them on the house, which was incredible. So everybody got to have a little kind of idea of what it was that we were making on the show. Mm -hmm. So when you were on Wall of Chefs and going through that whole process, you weren't really working in the food industry at the time, were you? No, um, no, I've been I've been out of the food industry for five and a half years. And that was um, a decision. It was a decision that I made um, for myself personally. Um, The food industry, and if you read anything about the food business right now, and, you know, definitely during the pandemic, why people have left and they're not going back to it, it's because it is a relentless business. And it 20 years is a very long time to have a career in it. Mm-hmm. And so my body was broken. Uh, at times I wasn't my healthiest because I, I wouldn't make good decisions because I was working and I was too tired. You don't work out. Uh, you, you know, you're not looking after yourself. And so I decided it was time to take a break. And Julie Mitchell from Torque asked me to come on full time. And I kind of hummed and hawed about it. Like it wasn't a mm-hmm. complete yes right away. Like this was a complete completely different world. I, it was the fitness world. I hadn't really been involved in fitness since I was a teenager, really. So this was a big jump for me. Um, but it made sense. It made sense because I still got to do customer service, which is one of the best parts about working with food. Mm -hmm. And then it was fitness related. So then I started on my fitness journey. And so I was able to incorporate those two and I've been there ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, and except for the show and then except for one year ago yesterday, I, which I started uncle Chuck's sauces and rubs, uh, I haven't been in the food industry. I took a big step back and it, it the payoff was massive. Yeah. I was kind of going to ask you, like, if you think that number one, stepping back from the food industry and going into something totally different, which is, you know, running the spin studio, but then also, So that in partnership with being on Wall of Chefs, did that like give you the time and space and energy to start imagining creating your own product line? Do you think that that's what gave you kind of that reinvigoration to get back into it eventually? Yeah, I'd have to say there's been a few times where I've I've thought through my food career that I would start something else. Like, And I've I've actually started and never finished. And you can't finish because you're too tired. Even though you want it, people are excited about it. Yeah. But you get home at the end of your day, 14 hours, 16 hours, you don't have time to put into it. And so taking the step back and then not being on the daily grind of it, I was able to kind of come up with the concepts and figured out, it was actually Yuna from the side kitchen who said to me, I'm opening this store. It's all gonna be female entrepreneurs and chefs. And I really want you to create something for me. And I had already, I had already thought about barbecue sauce mm-hmm. and a ketchup. And um, so she said, can you come up with something? So I went back to my notes and I started I spent the summer last year kind of playing with recipes and uh, I got friends to do all my taste testing. And then she said to me without any warning during COVID, I'm going to open the door 
are you ready? And I was like, what? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so we opened the door on December 2nd and I was in the back of her kitchen cooking and, and figuring out what my process was and how, how I would scale things up and we got it done. And I, I couldn't keep, I couldn't keep the product on the shelf. Like people wow. were really excited about it. And, you know, I, w- I would think that I would make enough and that it'd be like, it would take some time and she'd be like, nope, it's gone. Get back in here. So, and I really didn't imagine kind of like, is this going to go anywhere? Is it just for her store? Is it just a fun little thing? And I think the reception of it told me the story of where it needed to go. I, Mm -hmm. I listened to the direction that I felt my community was saying to me, which was they weren't just buying my product because they love me. Mm-hmm. They were buying the product because they loved me, but what they found when they unscrewed the top was it was an excellent product, right? Yeah. I didn't want people to just tell me because they loved me that it was a great product. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to be a great product. I thought it was a great product, but just because I like it doesn't mean the rest of the world's going to like it. But the receiving of my product has mm-hmm. told me it's actually um, something that should be on people's tables in their backyards in their fridge as a condiment to go to so uh i'm now in five stores in less than a year i hired amanda from eye candy design and she came up with um my labels for me and and she did she did like a storyboard for me and she went on a deep dive into my instagram and my facebook and she kind of just felt around for who I was. And I, you know, I got to say that the amount of time that she put in getting to know me when she didn't even know me Hmm. was amazing because what you see on the outside of my jar is exactly who I am. She nailed it. She nailed it. I could, I couldn't, when she sent me the first sample, I almost fell over. And then she showed me the storyboards that she worked with. And I was like, she couldn't have gotten my character better about who I am, about what I put out in the world, about what's on the outside of that bottle, what's on the inside of that bottle and what the product is going to do for you. And she just nailed it. A quick word from our premier sponsor of the Visionary Life podcast, and that is Healthy Planet. If you are a health nut like me, you're going to love that you can save money on the brands you already purchase by ordering online from Healthy Planet. They love our visionary community and want to support all of us in living our best lives. So you can shop at Healthy Planet entirely online and products will be dropped at your doorstep within just a few days. It's so easy, so convenient, and that gives you no excuse to say it's really hard to eat healthy because it's not. So treat your body, your mind, and your business with the fuel it deserves from Healthy Planet. You can shop by department, dietary need, or even just check out the sale rack. It's such an efficient way to ensure you're stocked up on all your favorite health goods all of the time. Use code VISIONARY10 at checkout to save on your Healthy Planet order. That's VISIONARY10 at checkout. That is so cool. And I think such a great testimonial for her and like 
it kind of is aspirational for anyone who's bringing a brand to life to make sure that you work with someone who can really understand what you're about. Because the truth is, now that you're in five stores, there are a lot of people who actually don't know you as a person and how awesome you are. So they're looking at the product, an inanimate product on the shelf, and they're trying to decide, is this product for me or was it not made for me? And I think that the branding can literally make someone just say, I think I connect with this jar of barbecue sauce, pull it off, and then maybe they learn the story behind the brand. Then maybe they listen to this podcast and they're like, whoa, you know, Cheryl's amazing. Like, I got to keep supporting Uncle Chuck's, but it's the label that kind of got them to uh, pull it off the shelf if they didn't get to try it or if they didn't find your Instagram, right? Well, and I think it's a testimony to her because I think as a small brand new business owner. Cool. (laughs) with no backing of anybody supporting me. It's all my dollars Yeah, and the money I make, I'm reinvesting. And Mm -hmm. so me paying that bill was making sales and then reinvesting into that. So she took it very seriously about what her role was going to be for me. And I think a lot of times people are, people are promised things and it doesn't work out. And, um, I didn't know Amanda. She was just told, as a contact to me and I just wanted to see, and I just, I couldn't believe that she just really got me for not even knowing me. Mm-hmm. And I knew that my label was going to catch people's eyes. It was a, li- because like somebody said to me, are you sure you want to go into the barbecue sauce and rub business? Like it's a saturated market. If you go into a regular um, grocery store and you stand in front of the wall of barbecue sauce, it's confusion. The price points are all over the place. You don't know who to trust. And that first look is what engages you as a consumer. And so my label is engaging. I know when my label is, and I'm on that shelf, there's something warm, there's something magical. It makes you feel good and you yeah. want to grab that. And and then, so then it's a 50-50, like, I got, I got suckered in by this labeling. Now, how good is the product? And so I think I've hit a home run because I didn't sucker you in. I mm-hmm. asked you to experience it. And then guess what? You pull the top off it and you are, you're so happy that you bought it. Yeah. And they always say like no amount of good marketing or branding can sell a bad product. So I think there definitely has to be that 50-50. But I think the other Sorry, yeah, the other thing about the other thing about when you're on merchant's shelves is I'm not there to sell the product, right? Yeah. Um, and I I feel very um, close to those five stores that I'm in because I handpicked them as they handpicked me and they happened organically. But the other thing about the label is I can't be there to entice you. If I'm at a farmer's market or I'm at a pop-up event and I'm working it, I got you. Right. Yeah. I can get you to to buy into what I'm selling. Um, but if it's on a store shelf, I can't totally be there. So I need the label to do the work for me. I need it to draw you. I need it to say to you, give me a try. Mm-hmm. And then there's the story on the back of it. Right. So that's that was money well spent. No kidding. And you mentioned something that I kind of want to double tap on. You said that a lot of people said, are you sure you want to go into the sauces and the spice market? It's really saturated. And it sounds like 
you know, number one, Yuna was somebody who was kind of a catalyst for you, like jumping in. But how did you kind of uh, like, I guess one of my questions is, how did you keep yourself confident enough to enter a saturated market? And what makes Uncle Chuck so different that you feel like you could compete in an already crowded marketplace? Well, I think that a couple of people who said it to me kind of off the hop scared me. So yes. there was a couple who were like, are you sure? There's always Do people you know, like bar- that. Like, and I was like, oh God, I'm, like, I'm usually a pretty confident person, but like, I'm, I'm about to put myself out there. I'm about to do a personal investment into this. Like, what if it's shit? <laughs> and then I was like, you know, my, my price point is higher than other stuff. Will people buy it? Like there was a whole bunch of reservations about it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? I deserve a piece of the pie, right? Agreed. Like how many times have I reached for that barbecue sauce or other products with the label that enticed me? And then I cracked it open and I used it and thought, meh, right? Mediocre. So what I'm banking on is that people love me. People want to support me. They know I'm passionate about it. What I'm offering in that jar is not just a barbecue sauce. I'm offering a connection. And this Ooh. is what I say to people. When you buy that sauce and you open up that jar, there's a celebration that's about to happen. And whether you're a pit master or you're just the occasional home cook, and you know, when you open up that bottle and you put that basting sauce on, you put that rib rub on, and then it's time to eat what you took the time to prepare and you're sharing it with people and people are, they're satiated, they're happy. I've been a part of that process and that is community and connection are two of the most important things in my life. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that you've invited me to be a part of that means that everything that I put into that jar is going to, is going to elevate that experience. That's, that's what I'm about. So yes, I'm the chef behind the product, but you're the chef at home and I'm just helping you get to the next level. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's cool to hear you talk about these products as more than just a product. Like it's an experience, right? It is not just like you using some barbecue sauce. You want people to feel something, for it to evoke an emotion, for it to spark conversation and connection with whoever they're barbecuing with or whoever they're dining with. And I feel like that alone is such a differentiator because I see a lot of products on the shelf every time I go grocery shopping and they don't evoke any emotion in me. So it's the stories you're telling and the experience that you're you're hoping to create that I think really set you apart and are such a unique differentiating factor, especially of a small brand versus, you know, a mass market brand that we're used to seeing and that it really it doesn't bring us any joy or um, doesn't create an experience while we're using it. Well, and there is some technical parts to my barbecue sauce and my rubs. So it wasn't just I made a barbecue sauce and then I made the rubs. You know, I worked in many butcher shops and meat is not cheap. Meat yeah. is not cheap. And so when you take your time and you go and you find good meat and you spend a good penny on it, you don't want to bring it home and slop it with stuff. I, I can't stand sauces that are that thick. 
I, I don't like to take away from the meat. I like to highlight the meat. I like mm-hmm. to just kind of give it an edge. And so when I created the rib rub and the Chucky Q barbecue sauce, it was that you got some deep notes with a little bit of sugar and a little bit of salt. But then my basting sauce, which is my barbecue sauce, it's high in acid. Mm-hmm. Sorry, somebody just called me. How rude. How <laughs> dare they? And, and, um, and the reason I designed it as a high acidic basting sauce is because you need the acid with the sugar and the salt. Mm-hmm. All three of those play off of each other. And when they do it perfectly, right, it's kind of like when I eat ice cream that's really well made, you get that saltiness and that sweetness and that creamy. And there's this magic thing that happens and it just brings you joy when it, it's a good product. That's like literally that's what happens. When I made my ketchup, my sup sauce, I did it um, thinking about kids and I th- I did it also because when I go to restaurants and I ask for ketchup and they give me their house-made ketchup and mm-hmm. it comes out as chopped tomatoes, I want to punch. <laughs> it's not okay. what I asked for. <laughs> not what I asked for. And actually before, I, when I was like, I want to do a ketchup and I want to do a ketchup that mimics what we get in that squeeze bottle, but isn't full of crap. Yeah. And I thought, why do people always give me hipster ketchup? Why is it always chunky tomatoes? What is it ketchup a really hard process? And so I started playing with it. And I started playing with no cooked ketchups, full cooked ketchups, high acid, low acid. And then I came out with this ketchup, which is 75% natural honey and 25% cane sugar. And it mimics, it's, it's just slightly, slightly a bit different, but it pretty much mimics what comes out of the squeeze bottle and the testimonial is kids actually like it. They like it. They don't push it away. Texturally, it works for them. And so for me, I'm like, I feel very proud of that because I'm like, why do we always buy this crap in this bottle? Right. We're so accustomed to it. And now when I have it, I'm like, I don't even want it anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's healthier. It doesn't have preservatives in it. It doesn't have fructose, corn syrup, or anything like that in it. So I was, I was just happy that it was like kid, kid approved. That yeah. made me feel amazing. So from what I know about you, you don't have like an extensive business or entrepreneurial background, right? <laughs> no. So I'm curious, how did you know what to do in the early stages? Like I know you did have somebody who was supporting you and who encouraged you to launch the brand and uh, Yuna was going to put it in her shop. But like, how did you start figuring things out from like what jars to order to how to package a product to how to, you know, get more of them to sell off the shelf? Like, has this just been an ongoing learning experience over the last 365 days or did you like sit down with a mentor and write a business plan? Like what has your journey in launching this been like? So uh, I have no business background. I've never run a business. I have run businesses for people and they've done the back end. Okay. So I'm the chef. I can watch your money. I know what kind of money to make. I'm your guy. No problem. You want me to sit in the back end and check numbers and stuff? No, that's not me. And so, as you said, I had Yuna and Yuna has a huge business background. Awesome. Yuna helped me crunch all the numbers. 
Yuna helped me break down all the recipes, right? I am a chef that doesn't use recipes. I use recipes now. I had to scale up and I had to put everything in grams. Oh my God. I'm like, I don't cook like that. So then I had to break down those beginning recipes, which made like three servings. (laughs) I had to put it and make 12, 500 mil jars. Mm -hmm. And so we had to scale it up. And then we had to measure, measure the acid and make sure that it still worked. And then we had to figure out how to can. Now, Yuna's kitchen is not a, like industrial kitchen. So it's hot plates and stuff. So I had to rethink how I would preserve and how many jars I could do at a time. And so I would say that one of the great things about me is that it doesn't matter what size kitchen or what the kitchen looks like. I can engineer anything to make it work for me. And so she was like, does this work? I was like, this totally works. And then we just figured out what the product cost, um, what everything costs to bring it in. She orders it for me. I just tell her what I need. And then we work out our own books. uh, And then I have a wholesale price list um, and away we go. That's awesome. And it's so nice that you had someone to kind of like guide you along the path because I Trust think me. without her, it would have been like, how do I know? Like what I needs dial to be her done? in uh, weekly, right? Like, so I, I'm, I cannot stress how lucky I am that yeah. she was the person that was there and available and mm-hmm. let me be in her shop. And then my wife also does like all the invoicing and all the POs. And yeah. um, that is not my forte. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. she looks after she did all my nutrition facts and stuff like that. Yeah. Cool. So I think because there's probably a lot of people listening who would aspire to one day launch a food or beverage brand. So kind of getting in that first store is obviously imperative. How did you then go from being just in one shop in Toronto to now being in five? Like, did people start coming to you because of your presence in that shop or because of your social media? Or did you start approaching random shops? Like, how do you go from one to five? Hey Visionary, are you ready to launch your business? If you're looking for a way to get started, we can help. The Visionary Method is a weekly coaching program that will guide you through the process of launching your business and generating revenue in as little as 12 weeks. We have helped over 100 entrepreneurs build their businesses from scratch and find community with people just like them. You don't have to do this alone. It doesn't matter if you're an introvert or extrovert, young or old, experienced or brand new. Our method works for everyone who wants it badly enough. This isn't about getting rich quick. It's about creating something meaningful that changes lives and makes the world a better place. Join us today by heading to kelseyridle.com for details or click the link in the show notes and learn more about the visionary method. So I think the biggest thing was I had a community which was like, come on, this is amazing. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. And at the beginning, I was like, okay, I got to go. I got to go. And then I just said, you know what? Slow the engines. It's really a beautiful thing that people think I'm capable of this, Uh but I'm putting the cart before the horse. I need to stay in this one store. I need to make sure my process is perfect. I need to make sure my numbers are right. And I'm going to stay here in the store. So from December until May, she was the only store. 
And then uh, Carson from Carson's Garden Market out in Prince Edward County. He's an old friend of mine. And he said, what is this? You are making sauces and rubs. You need to come into my store. And so I said, sure thing. And then uh, Chef Kyle, who owns Flossy Sandwiches next door to Carson, he brought in my product wholesale and he cooks with it. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was really excited about it. And then I went, I went to Prince Edward County and did a, a weekend of food with them to promote my stuff. And I just kind of laid low. I just, I was just like, okay, just be cool, man. Don't get, don't get ahead of yourself. Cause the other thing is you don't want to grow too fast Exactly. because that means I'll grow out of Eunice kitchen. And I've got to think about if, if I grow out of that space, what will it cost me to go to another space? Right. I have to think about what, what, um, bottles and stuff I use in the process cost me this much. If I go to another kitchen, do I change that? Do I change it to look different? So I, it's another marketing and, and what will that cost me? So if you grow it too fast, yeah, it, it could, could backfire a little bit. Right. So what was the biggest thing? The biggest thing was to be steady in Yuna's reach out to my community, use that community get them into it, let the social media from all of their posts tell the story of Uncle Chuck's and then invest in my labels. So because I went to Carson's Market first, I had to get labels done. So I only did two labels right out of the gate. I got my Chucky Q barbecue and my rib rub and that was all I sold to him. And I didn't sell it to anybody else except for Yuna. And then we waited till we made a little more money And then we went for the rest of the labels. Mm -hmm. And as I started to add more product, then we had, um, where did I go next? Where did I go next? I'm in Lassen Ladle in Grafton. So um, Terry is a wonderful woman and her shop is amazing. She's got a great staff team and an amazing head chef. I'm actually headed there tomorrow and I'm dropping off samples so they can play with them because I'm not there and I can't sell my product, put it in the chef's hands and let them create something that they can entice their customers with. So their customers get to experience the product and therefore they'll take it off the shelves. And then I'm going into flossy sandwiches as well. And chef Kyle will get some samples. And then I just went into roast, uh, which is a butcher shop. I was a chef at I remember and that. Ben Latchford. Um, and I met at a, uh, another b- butcher shop years ago. And um, he said, as soon as you get your labels done, let's talk. And so he, I just put an order in two weeks ago with him. And then there's another, there's another shop in the West End. Uh, the name hasn't come out yet. They haven't opened. So I'm just waiting for that announcement. Um, it's a bottle shop, but then it's got all the accoutrement for you to take with you to make your night uh, wonderful. So they've got my rub. Um, my rib rub and my barbecue sauce. Very cool. And I think it's so important to emphasize like the, um, just the power of relationships, right? Not just like cold emailing a bunch of stores saying like, Hey, I'm not, put me I, in. I've done that before. And I did that before and I don't like it. And I, and also because I worked in fine food shops where I also cooked, but I also did customer relations 
and I'm working with the food supplies, food suppliers, it's a relationship. If I'm buying from you, I want to know about the product. I want you to entice me, get me excited. I'm not going to bring in something just because it looks good on the shelf. Yeah. So as my customers come in, I want to tell them about a new product. I want them when they say to me, Cheryl, what can I serve with this? I want to know what I'm giving them. I, I, I want to stand behind the product. I don't want to sell them something just to sell them something. Mm-hmm. I want to sell them something that they're going to come back to me and say, oh my God, that was wonderful. I loved it. I don't want to buy something off the shelf, take it home and go, meh, right? So the, those relationships are very important. The other thing I, the other thing, so I, I let those grow organically, mm-hmm. but also I want to handpick the people I'm going with. It makes no sense for me to sit on a shelf and the product doesn't move because you're not going to come back to me and order more. So if you're into me, you like my vibe, I've given you the product to play with, mm-hmm. you're happy with it, you love it, it's going to sell itself. You're excited by it. Exactly. And then guess what? You're going to put in a repeat order, right? That to me is more important than anything which is why I also set out to not be in big box stores. Uh, I think my niche market and knowing your niche market is very important. My niche market is definitely foodie places, right? Um, Where are you going to stop? You're going to talk about the products, the people who work in the store are really knowledgeable. Um, It's really an important piece for, for where I'm going to situate myself. Mm -hmm. So obviously you don't envision necessarily going into big box stores, but it sounds like you do have a vision for kind of the future of Uncle Chuck's. Do you think about that often? Do you have this like grand master plan behind where the business is going? Or are you more just taking it day by day and kind of seeing like, okay, well, what's that next store? And what's that next relationship or opportunity? I don't, I don't want to put the pressure on myself. Yeah, I agree. I I think it could go somewhere. Uh, but I think, I think what the only goal I set for myself is the first two years, it's about building my brand and getting the trust of the customer. Yeah. So I want to spend the time letting people get to know me and letting them get to know my product. It's why I take, um, a, a large percent monthly and I put it back into giving into community, Uh um, I put baskets and stuff together for people. I make sure that I, you know, next week I'm dropping off a a rack of ribs and a t-shirt for a friend's son who's like fanning me. Like it's really important that you give back to the community. And I just want people to enjoy me for the first couple of years. And I'm okay with not making that much money. I'm, I'm, I'm good to put the money back in. Um, I'm lucky that I have a full-time job and I have the hours to be able to do this. Obviously my hope will be that that will change one day. Um, I'm cool where, wherever it needs to go, wants to go, whoever will have me. I think there's a great opportunity for specialty events. Uh, I've, I really enjoyed where barbecue is in Canada. I think when we think about barbecue, we think to our neighbors in the South. Um, 
and I think Canada's got a huge barbecue scene with a ton of pit masters. I've been introduced through Uncle Chuck's and um, now belong to this massive barbecue community. And I, cool. I, I they're great people, um, you know, just like mailing out um, packages to people and, and getting them to try Uncle Chuck's and them giving me great feedback about the product is majorly important. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and definitely going coast to coast is really important. It's not just, it's not just a Toronto um, product. I'm not in any stores from coast to coast, but eventually I'd like to be able to handpick some stores. The other thing I, I would say about handpicking stores is I can't stand when I go into one store and then go a few blocks down and it's in another store. Uh, for me, for me, I'm like, what are you doing here? What's the story? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to be the big Starbucks that moves in on the local coffee shop. I yeah. want to be like what I said to Terry in Grafton, you'll be the only store. Cool. What I said yeah. to Carson in PAC was you're going to be the only store. If one day that ends, then I will go to another store. I don't need to saturate the market. What's important for me is if you want the product and I don't sell it in a store near you, I will mail it to you. That's easy. It's more important for me to have integrity and I don't want to move in on everybody. I don't need to saturate the market. Mm -hmm. It's cool because yeah, in business, sometimes we talk about having like core values of your brand. And I don't know if you've ever formally written them out, but obviously integrity is a big piece of that and making sure you stay true to what really matters to you, I think is so important as you build this business and makes you able to sleep with yourself at night, right? And Yeah, um, and I did actually start writing my core values because it, yeah. exactly who I am and how I'm talking to you is exactly what's behind Uncle Chuck's. Exactly. And Uncle Chuck's is only here because I have a community. Uncle Chuck's is only here because my customers trust me, mm-hmm. right? That that That's a from my first job at Cumbrae's 25 years ago, I have customers who still follow me. (laughs) I have customers who still engage with me because they understood and I understood how important that relationship was. It's about trust, right? If I would need it, I'm not going to sell it to you, right? I don't care about the sale. What I care about is the fact that you trust me and I've given you something that you know is 100%. Mm-hmm. I love that. So of course, as a, a business owner, as an entrepreneur, there's always things we need to be learning and we're always needing to like grow ourselves in order to grow our business. So I'm curious, is there any skill or <laughs> subject matter that you're currently needing to learn about or currently diving into to make you a better business owner? So many things. <laughs> So I will say this, as I started on the journey of Uncle Chuck's, I took as many free workshops that I could get in on, man. I'm from like a Google workshop. Um, Ainsley Moore does free stuff all the time. Uh, She is huge in the food business. Even just her emails that I get, um, just talking about what we should be thinking about, what we should be learning, what's like food trends, things like that. I follow a ton of people. I listen to a ton of people. Um, and then it's trying to figure out what can work for me. The other thing is, is finding time because, you know, I, I just said to, 
to my wife, I'm really happy, like it's the dead of winter almost, because Canadians, most of us, don't barbecue through the through January to March, right? Yep. Now there is some hardcore barbecue people <laughs> who I follow who are pit masters and they go full time. Yeah. And thank God, but it'll be a slower time for me, I think. Um, so that's my time to actually go back and think about things mm-hmm. that I thought of, but I haven't put into right? Like, so now I got to think about, right. So now we need maybe a website and maybe I need some gift boxes and, and things like that. Cause I do want to get it out coast to coast. I'm going to have to think about a distributor. I'm going to have to think about how I get it in, into people's hands, what makes sense, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Mm -hmm. What's, what's the next step. So I've got these labels, right. There was decisions about the labels too that I didn't do. I didn't do bilingual. I didn't put a UPC code on it. Yeah. Right. And I didn't do that because I'm not going into big box stores. So I'm not required to. Um, and so just thinking about how long I can, I can have that for. And will some of like if I wanted to go into maybe McEwen's or something, what I need the UPC. So just trying to think about what I need now and what eventually I'm going to need and making decisions like that. Right. Yeah. Yep. It's Even- a forever learning journey that you've jumped oh, into. No. <laughs> You'll never know it all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's right? so awesome. So is there any, I'm sure people now want to get their hands on the products. Is there any new products coming out or anything you're working on behind the scenes? <laughs> there- yeah, there is. So I, I actually worked on it in the fall um, and I thought I'd hit pay dirt on my mustard mashup. But oh. as it sat, it got too bitter. It turned too bitter, which mustard can do. OK, um, so in my downtime in the not barbecue season, <laughs> that is my goal for January cool. to um, continue to play with that recipe. Um, and it's a mustard mashup. So um i'm a huge prepared mustard fan yeah um for me for me whether you get a drive through hamburger a ballpark wiener there's something about prepared mustard that makes it all come together with the other yep. condiments and i find that quite often a dijon or a grainy mustard it can take away from what's happening on the food it's so pungent and overpowering yeah. So what I wanted to do was blend them. I wanted to give you some texture with a bit of crunch, but then I wanted that prepared mustard to come through it. So I'm close. Yeah, I'm close. Mm. So right now you have the Chucky Q barbecue. You have the boom sauce, which is a hot mustard barbecue. You have the sup sauce. You've got a Uncle Chuck's is a big deal. Mm-hmm. So it's my dill pickle relish. And then you have beefy rub, cluck cluck rub and a rib rub. I love the names. Like, I know you put a lot of time and attention into the naming. No, I didn't. Oh, you didn't? They come to me like this. (laughs) I think I heard, yeah, like you saying one time, you're just like on a walk and it'll just like click. (laughs) So I had one the other day. So I want to make a porcini salt. Okay. Ooh. Okay. So I I have to remember that not everybody's a a meathead like me. So I've come up with a concept in my head which is, I was like, what am I going to call it? And of course, I'm going to call it Uncle Chuck's a fun guy. (laughs) 
this is it. Like, I feel like these names, they don't come to the average person. When you say it, it sounds so obvious. But I think like, yeah, your creative wheels are obviously turning a lot these days because I love these. (laughs) And, you know, like in terms of social and stuff, like, first of all, I have an email and I'm on Instagram. Uncle Chuck's is nowhere else to be seen. Every now and again, I check my LinkedIn, but not very often. Yep. And I'm the only one running it. Yeah. Right. I'm the only one that's making my own. I'm laughing at my own names, but it doesn't mean it's going to sell. You know what I mean? (laughs) They're a little bit cheeky. They're a bit cheeky. I don't know. I just, it's what I came up with. It's what I wanted. Like a friend of mine who actually came up with my logo. Mm -hmm. She was like, are you sure you want to call it that? And I was like, yeah, I do. And she was like, are you sure? And I said, please, I want to call it that. And she was like, I'm not sure about that. And we went with it. I went with it. And uh, it's been well received. So I love it. And you know what? If you're not having fun along the way, then what? And this is the the big thing. (laughs) This is the big thing. So 20 years, I took a five and a half year break or a five year break. Yeah. And I'm having fun now. Thank God. I wasn't having fun at the end of my career. Yeah. I was burnt out. My body was giving up on me. I wasn't in my healthy zone. And now I'm, I have all of that. Mm-hmm. I'm not burnt out. I'm having fun and I'm, I've got life balance, which is the healthy part of it. Right. I make mm-hmm. sure I look after me, I exercise and there's this work life balance that I didn't have before. And it's absolutely important. It changed my life. Mm-hmm. I hope you can hang on to that as this business. And I'm sure you will, right? Like there's no way you're going to let that slide um, just for the sake of scaling a no. company right now. Yeah. So no, no, really cool. Well, Cheryl, this has been so fun. Uh, I hope everybody go uh, gets their hands on some Uncle Chuck's. I feel like it's a very giftable item too. So you said it does ship. Like if somebody wants to order, but they don't live near any of the mentioned stores is there a way to place an order absolutely you can email me uncle chucks foods at gmail.com all one word uncle chucks foods at gmail.com or you can reach out to me on my instagram handle uncle underscore chucks and just send me a message and we will figure out how to get it to you um and yuna at the side kitchen has a ton of uh holiday gift baskets ready to go So it's easy. Amazing. Well, we wish you all the best in the future. And thank you so much for coming back on the podcast all these years later. It was such a pleasure to catch up. Thanks, Kelsey. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis, so it would mean so much to me if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show in your iTunes app. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Kelsey Rydell. I'll catch you in the next episode. P.S. Whenever you're ready, there's a couple of ways that I can support you. So first thing, if you're ready to make your first or next $50,000 in business, explore how the Visionary Method Business Coaching Experience can accelerate your growth. There'll be a link in the show notes. Also, if you're feeling lost, confused, or overwhelmed when it comes to starting an online business, reach out and book a free revision call with me. 
I'll offer you customized recommendations on how to get unstuck so you can live a life filled with joy, happiness, and fulfillment.